The contemporary philosopher Simon Critchley had put together a book recently about the deaths of 190 philosophers, just seeing how they died, what were their last words. One of those uh, philosophers was Thomas Hobbes, who had written at one point, life is nasty, brutish, and short. Life is nasty, brutish, and short. He died peacefully at the old age of 91. Sorry. Another philosopher named Berkeley died while having a sermon read to him. I definitely did not look up if that was my sermon or one of your past pastors. Albert Camus, uh, who was known as the father of absurdism, school of philosophical thought, that everything is absurd, said that the most meaningless way to die was in a car wreck. And in his 40s, he would die in a car wreck. But the one that caught my eye was Jay Eyre, a resolute atheist, when eating one day choked on a piece of salmon, was understood to be dead. They left him for dead, but then was somehow resuscitated. And after he had been resuscitated from literal death, uh, he uh, ended up saying, life is not the end. A resolute atheist in that experience, after that experience with death, said, life I know now is not the end. But I love better what his wife said. Oh, Jay is so much nicer now that he died. <laughs> well, listen, the good news of this day is that Christ is alive, that you and I can know with confidence that we have faith in him. Our life is secure with him and that we can have eternity forever with God and with each other. But also as seen in that statement, we can be much more than just nice He's come that we might have life and life abundant. He has come that we might put to death sin as he has defeated sin and that we might be able to live out his love, his compassion, his holiness. And so what we have been doing over these weeks together through Lent is we've been looking at the different witnesses of the cross. What do they tell us about the cross bearer, Jesus Christ, but also what do they tell us about our response through the one who was crucified for us. Well, this morning, we'll look at two witnesses. What do they say about the resurrection, about Jesus, but also what do they have to say for us? How do they inform what our response should be to the one who is the resurrection and the life? So first, in Matthew uh, 28, verse 4, we see these soldiers. Now, these are probably not the same soldiers from the cross, as a matter of fact, they have a very different response when Christ dies. Even when they watch him die, Mark's gospel in chapter 15 says, the centurion, when watching how he died, said, surely this is the Son of God. These are different soldiers. And here they are, people who are violent men, men who are under orders, men who have been hired to, 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 to live out or to, to carry out the orders of Caesar, these trained men. They fold like a cheap suit. The Old Testament and New Testament both say in several places that sometimes when angels come, they, they look like men. They show up as men and people can't distinguish, are they angelic or are they a, 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 a man? But in Isaiah and Revelation and other places and right here, it is definitely clear. This is an angelic being. There's been an earthquake. 
He's moved the stone. And listen, that stone was not moved for Jesus. It was moved for us. So they could go in and see Jesus was not there. You know the gospel account of resurrection. The disciples are scared. They're huddled in a room and all of a sudden Jesus is with them. He is the resurrection. He doesn't need that stone rolled away for him. He wasn't there. And then they see this angelic being who's, who's got, if you, if you read what Scripture would say, it, it speaks of a face or an appearance like lightning and clothes as white as snow. And what do these soldiers, these trained killers do? They shake and they fall to the ground like dead men. They fold there, and if you keep reading Matthew's account, they fold again. Uh, after this experience, they're bought off, and they take the money, and they run. These men who, were, who, who had seen the angel, they were even paralyzed, fall to the ground, and yet they won't repent. They're confronted by the supernatural, but they won't give up their idolatry to the natural. And so they fold. They maybe try to explain away what happened and they take the money and run. can happen with us with fear. Our fears can paralyze us. It literally did that for them. But when you and I are confronted by this great truth, this truth that Jesus Christ is alive and he reigns forevermore, and we're confronted with that and we, and we see what he's called us to do, fear can come. Listen, fear is just a feeling. We've got to press through that feeling and allow the Lord to have his will in his way. What is it, maybe this morning, what is it in this season of your life that the Lord's called you to do to step out in faith and ministry, but that fear has come? Are we going to let fear paralyze us and keep us from what the Lord has called us to be and to do? Is there a mission in your life that he's called you to be? Is there a testimony that he's called you to give? And fear is, 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 is telling you to fold, but you're going to press through that. Because that's, if you'll see next, that's what these women do. These women experience fear. The testimony is clear. They have fear, but they also have joy. But the fear comes, it comes to all of us, but they press through that. It can be a fearful thing to parent as the Lord calls you to parent. In this culture, it can be a fearful thing to stretch and to give towards mission and ministry when we're worried about all that's happening around us. Will there be enough? It can be a fearful thing to stand up and be counted as one of Christ's. These women press through. And listen, they had right fear as well. Not only are they confronted by this, but then they've got to go to the disciples. Now listen, these women, have many of them have pressed through their fear when Jesus was walking to the cross and they were present, they pressed through their fear when Jesus was on the cross and they were present and the disciples were not. And now they're going back to those same disciples who not only have run, but Scripture says not just Thomas didn't believe at first, that others didn't believe. What will they say to us about this news? They pressed through that fear and they did what the Lord called them to do. These killers of men, these soldiers, those men could not kill their fear. But these faithful disciples, these women, press through that and take the word of Christ with them to these disciples. And this is the good news. When you're faithful to be obedient to Christ and to do what he says to do, they met Christ. Christ met them. They got to see Christ and, get to, and they got to hear a word from Christ. When you and I are confronted by and meet the resurrected Christ and we are changed there's no telling what can happen in terms of our, our witness. 
These women are faithful to go and tell. How will you hear that today? I love the Christian author, John Ortberg. Several of you have studied his books in our Sunday school classes here. He tells the story of when he was younger in ministry. He was a denominational leader, so he wasn't pastoring a church. But being that denominational leader in that county, from time to time, he'd be called on. When there wasn't a church near where a burial would be, he'd be called on to go uh, with, with the funeral folks and to go and be a part of a service. And so he was doing that one day and riding with his buddy to the service. They do the service, and he's riding back. And because it was a long way, uh, he had said, it was my turn to drive, I'll drive. And the person who was driving the hurt said, do you mind if I just get in the back and take a nap? He said, well, no, I guess that's fine. We're just going back, no problem. So they get going. Well, John notices halfway home, they're running out of gas. So he pulls over to a gas station. Now, again, this is years ago when they had attendance at the gas station. And so this poor guy who comes out to put the gas in the hearse sees what he thinks is this dead body just lying in the back of the hearse. That's bad enough. But after he fills up the car, puts the pump back, I mean, the handle back in the pump and turns, this guy has woken up sat up, looked at him, and waved. I love what Orkberg said in his book. That dude is still running. (laughs) Didn't just get scared, but just took off running. Got to run. You got to go, and you got to tell. And y'all, when we allow Christ to do that work in our life, where there was once fear, and he comes and says, you don't have to be afraid of that anymore where there was once shame. And he says, my blood is going to cover that. You don't have to feel shame anymore. Where there was once doubt, maybe where there was once stumbling or bumbling, all those things are covered by the blood of the Lamb of the God and and our resurrected Lord. And when people can see that, they almost want to run when they're confronted by something they didn't expect, but they see it in you, and so they see Christ through you. Christ is alive, and everything has changed for these women, and it has changed for us. I heard the story years ago of a national leader in England who was, I think, being buried at St. Abbey's. And he had designed, being the leader, he had control, he designed the whole worship service, and at the very end of the worship service, being somebody who worked uh, very closely with the military he had it so at the very end of the service on the west end of the church a trumpeter would play taps something that would normally be done at a military funeral Uh, taps being played usually for the end of the day well there's the west side of the church where the sun sets it's the end of his life you play taps but what was different about this service after taps was played and there was a brief pause On the east side of the church, there was another trumpeter who played Reveille. There is a new day. There is a new hope. Where the sun rises in the east, this person, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, has risen to meet the Lord. That's why we gather. Not only has Christ paid for our sins, but he's brought to us new life that you and I like these women can be faithful to be obedient to what the Lord calls us to do that you and I can be faithful to go and tell fears can be real but what the angel says to them is you don't have to fear press through those and there's no telling what the Lord can and will do in and through your life let's pray about that
Heavenly Father, we thank you again that you have loved us so much that you've sent and given your only son for us and that you have raised him up for the dead. Lord Jesus, we praise you this morning as resurrected Lord, the one who forgave our sin but has also promised us new life. And it is our prayer that as we may struggle with shame or fear or temptation, whatever that may be, Oh, that we would turn to you, the one who has dealt with that on the cross, who has redeemed that through your resurrection. Oh, help us to be faithful, to press through our fear so that all of our lives and our response might be to your glory, that others might be confronted. Father, Holy Spirit, Son Jesus might be confronted with the love and the reality and the power of the triune God. We pray now that you would bless our response to this, your word, and it is in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.